Join us as we explore timeless wisdom from around the world, seeking truths that resonate most for each individual. Welcome to Peace on Your Journey podcast. I'm John Lawyer, a former soldier turned spiritual traveler. At Kishar, we celebrate the journey of discovery together, delving into various religious, spiritual, and philosophical traditions. For a deeper dive into spirituality, join our vibrant online community at kishar.org. If you'd like to experience this production with dynamic art and video content, check out our YouTube channel at Peace on Your Journey. What we want and need might seem simple, but it's actually an incredibly complex subject. It's deeply interwoven with spiritual beliefs and tradition. And getting what you want can be an incredibly beautiful thing. And we're going to talk about that. But before we get there, let's start by thinking about the flip side of getting what we want. Be careful what you wish for. When we ask the universe for something, we could consider the law of unintended consequences. What we want or what we're asking for may be conscious or it could be subconscious. You might not even know you're doing it. We might be attracting things we aren't even aware of. Given the mind and the ego's propensity to trend negative, it can lead to unconscious attraction of the negative. So you might be thinking something negative, not know it, and attracting negative things in your life. How many stories have you watched or heard about the genie in the lamp, the curse of the three wishes, and the jinn usually tries to warn the wishmaker? And it shows that people often can't see past greed or raw desire, but they still wish and it often leads to tragedy for them or their families. Think of King Midas and his wish for the gold touch. And that completely ruined his life. He couldn't eat. He couldn't embrace or hug his daughter. And so we have these stories that are cautionary tales. And I have my own personal experience with this, which I've talked a little bit about before in previous videos. Growing up, I watched the movie Lawrence of Arabia, and it really kind of took me away. It kind of blew me away. And I was very called to the desert in a way that I can't really describe in words. And I wanted to be Lawrence. I wanted to experience what he experienced, and I kind of felt that to my core. When I was 11, I watched the news as they covered the first World Trade Center bombings in 1993. It fascinated me, and I knew I wanted to do something related to counterterrorism. And as I continued to grow, I began to read Tom Clancy, and I also wanted to be Jack Ryan. And that's okay. It's good to dream. It's good to have aspirations and goals. And we still have to think about the fact that these things come with some sort of universal price tag. I went on to follow Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden through the mid to late 1990s when I was in high school and kept learning about the subject. The bombings of the U.S. embassies in East Africa happened in the summer of 1998, followed shortly by me seeing the movie The Siege with Denzel Washington. It was a powerful movie about counterterrorism and kind of everything that went along with it. And this solidified that I wanted to do something like this with my life. Think about that for a second. Like, what do I want to do with my life? That's such a huge thing. And I don't think that I even really considered that at the time. You know, what, what do I want to do with my life? I, I realized that path. I ended up enlisting in the Army as a counterintelligence special agent. I started down a path that would take me directly where I wanted to go. After my training, I went to my first permanent duty station at Fort Gordon. And I was this young, idealistic private with no real concept of what was going on or what was happening. And everything kind of just moved so fast back then. 
And the first sergeant brought me into his office and he told me that uh, he was just going to send me to this normal line platoon that was a very average place to send new people. And I said, okay, because I, I didn't know any better. It was a new place. And I said, okay, sure, that, that sounds great. And so he took me in to meet the company commander, Captain Myers, and he wasn't your typical officer. I think he was more introspective and, and thoughtful about how he approached his soldiers. And he wanted to get to know me. He asked me why I joined the army. And again, that question of what I wanted to do with my life. And I told him that I wanted to do counterterrorism and that I, I had always wanted to go to the Middle East. And his face kind of lit up. And he told me that as, as fate would have it, his unit had an operational real-world counterterrorism team uh, that he was in charge of. And so he sent me to this office full of counterintelligence special agents and analysts that were looking to solve real-world problems. And their focus was on the Middle East and South Asia and the Horn of Africa. It's CENTCOM, if uh, anybody knows what that means. And so the first sergeant sent me to that place. And that's where I kind of started my, my journey uh, down that path that I set out for myself. And if you think of the math behind that, think about how much had to happen for this to come to pass. For me to see Lawrence of Arabia and want to be him and go to the desert and see the World Trade Center bombing and be influenced by that, to read Tom Clancy and see Jack Ryan and, and be interested in, in, in that part of the intelligence community, to follow Al-Qaeda, and then decide to go to the Army and be assigned to the right job field in counterintelligence, be sent to the right base that was responsible for deploying people to the Middle East. And then I go to this company within it and get assigned to some random line platoon by the first sergeant. And then the company commander says, no, send this kid to the counterterrorism office. And then 9-11 happens and I spent the next 12 or 15 years in the desert. And I was at war and doing all those things that I had dreamed about and I think the chance of all that happening is so low that it's hard to even describe. But it did happen because I had wanted it to happen and because I had willed it to happen. Maybe even a part of me needed it to happen. The universe is balanced, personified, and we know everything has a cost and a toll is taken. And so I had all these amazing experiences and they also came with their own traumas and unintended consequences that we talked about earlier. And I don't want you to get bogged down by the negative here. That's not why I'm telling you this story. I, I just want us to acknowledge and respect the idea of consequences, action and reaction. And I wouldn't change any of it, like I said, because it's, it's who I am today. It's part of me. And if I hadn't gone through that, I don't think I would have found my way, uh, the way of the universe, the, that complicated thing. And that's that's law of attraction what happened. This is manifestation. It's it's really magic. And I always want to tell people that magic is real. It's not supernatural. It's this completely natural thing. And that leads me on to when we want something, we have to actually think, do we need it? The Rolling Stones said, you can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, well, you might find you get what you need. Consider what you're asking for in life. Consider what you what you want. Is that want an actual need? And ask yourself, well, why do I need it? What does it do for me? Does it take you where you want or need to go? Do you know where that is? If you're going somewhere, do you know where you're going? 
And what does your inner self and intuition say about whether it's a want or a need? And this takes us to our dharma or our higher purpose. And so maybe you know what your higher purpose is, or maybe you have a sense of it, and you might have no idea. So as we discuss need versus want and thinking about what you need, how does your higher purpose or dharma overlap with what you need? I think this is a really important question and one that's worth taking some time to ponder because that overlap is where I think you might find a lot of satisfaction and, and, and peace in your life. And let's move on to the wonderful opportunities of the universe. So we've already covered being careful what we wish for in that law of unintended consequences. Now let's look at the warmth of what the universe has to offer us. You'll consistently hear me say we always need to be intentional and aware about being open to the universe. That really great things happen to us when we're open to the universe. If you're at all familiar with the law of attraction or manifestation, you probably already have some idea of how being open to the universe can help you. So stop and consider maybe that you are the universe so that when you're asking the universe for something, that whole divine everything, you're asking yourself for it. And if you can understand that, you can feel it and you can essentially spiritually touch it. And you might hear a lot about manifestation and ask, is manifestation overplayed? I'd have to say no. I think it's that simple. The reason law of attraction has become something popular to talk about everywhere is because it works. It isn't that you're going to blink yourself or Ferrari or millions of dollars, but it's that raw power of awareness and intention. And people forget that it also takes work. It's not something that just happens out of nowhere. Before we move on, please subscribe by hitting the watermark in the lower right-hand corner and share this with any friends and family you think might benefit from it. So if we have to work for it, we think about meeting the universe halfway. How do you go about making a need or a want happen? It's in your power to make it happen. What steps can you take to make it happen? What can help you make it happen? What can you change in, in, your, in your world and life to make it happen? Where do you need to go to make it? If you can answer questions like this, you can reach out to the universe and you can start to become what you seek. As the saying goes, what you seek is also seeking you. If you set out on a path that you deliberately choose, miracles do happen. But you have to take action and be ready and connected with the goal. It's been called prayer, meditation, spells, intention, karma, and many more names by various spiritual constructs and religion for a really long time. It works. Decide where you want to go and then think about the journey. But don't be so focused on the destination and where you're going that you forget about the journey and the things around you. Things may happen on your way to your destination that were meant for you or that you need or that you wanted and you have to be ready for them. And so be as aware and intentional as you can as you walk that path. Enjoy each moment of the walk, but keep looking around. What's beautiful? What's interesting? What moves you? And don't be so focused on this ambiguous destination that you miss what you seek being delivered directly to you. And related to that, here we have a worthwhile modern parable. The story has been told to illustrate the concept that help can come in unexpected forms. 
that one should not wait for miracles when a miracle is already being offered. We start with a devout man who found himself in the midst of a severe flood. He was standing on the roof of his house to escape the rising waters. As the waters rose higher, he prayed fervently for God to save him. And soon a neighbor came by in a canoe and said, jump in and I'll paddle you to safety. The man on the roof replied, no, thank you. I have faith that God will save me. And the waters continued to rise. And a short time later, a group of people in a motorboat came by. They called out to the stranded man, come with us, we'll save you. Again, the man declined saying, no, thank you. I'm waiting for God to save me. And the floodwaters continued to rise. And eventually a rescue helicopter appeared and dropped a ladder from above. The rescue crew urged the man to climb up the ladder. Yet again, the man refused, shouting back, I don't need your help. God will save. Eventually the waters rose too high and the man drowned. When he was in heaven, he asked God, why didn't you save me? And God replied, I sent you a canoe, a motorboat, and a helicopter. What more were you waiting for? So don't be so focused on getting where you want to go or what you want that you don't see that it's right there in front of you. Never forget that. So think about your mindset and your perspective. Sometimes we can be in such a hard place, we can't see any of this. We can't even understand that there's magic inside of us. It might be so dark that we don't even see our own light inside. I've been there. The only thing I can tell you is don't let the swamp of sadness consume you. Know that you can walk out of it, find your light inside, then go back over the message in this discussion right here and seize your universal power and you'll find your way. What do you think about what you want versus what you need? How do you see the universe helping you with what you seek? What is your intersection between your dharma or higher purpose and what you need or want? Let me know in the comments down below and let's have a discussion about this and remind yourself to answer these questions, but also put in the work to meet the universe halfway for a peaceful community where people can share their journeys, be themselves and have discussions just like this. Please visit keyshar.org and please like this video if you'd like us to keep making content just like this. And until next time, I wish you peace on your journey.